0: mildred lawson chapter fourteen of celibates by george moore this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by james carson a formal avenue of trim trees led out of the town of melun but these were soon exchanged for rough forest growths and out of cabbage and corn lands the eruptive forest broke into islands and the plain was girdled with a dark green belt of distant forest she lay back in the fly tasting in the pure air the keen joy of returning health and she thrilled a little at the delight of an expensive white muslin and black sash which accentuated the smallness of her waist she liked her little brown shoes and brown stockings and the white sunshade through whose strained silk the red sun shone at the cross-roads she noticed a still more formal avenue trees planted in single line and curving like a regiment of soldiers marching across country the whitewashed stead and the lonely peasant scratching like an insect in the long tilth were painful impressions she missed the familiar hedge-grows which make england like a garden and she noticed that there were trees everywhere except about the dwellings and that there were neither holly bush nor sunflowers in the white village they rolled through a gaunt white village which was not Barbizon the driver mentioned the name but Mildred did not heed him she looked from the blank white walls to her prettily posed feet and heard him say that Barbizon was still a mile away it lay at the end of the plain, and when the carriage entered the long street, it rocked over a huge stones so that Mildred was nearly thrown out. She called to the driver to go slower. He smiled, and, pointing with his whip, said that the hotel that Mademoiselle wanted was at the end of the village, on the verge of the forest. A few moments after the carriage drew up before an iron gateway and mildred saw a small house at the bottom of a small garden there was a pavilion on the left and a numerous company were dining beneath the branches of a cedar elsie and sissy got up and dropping their napkins ran to meet their friend she was led in triumph to the table and all through dinner she had a rough impression of english girls in cheap linen dresses and of men in rough suits and flowing neckties she was given some soup and when a plate of veal had been handed round and elsie and sissy had exhausted their first store of questions she was introduced to morton mitchell his singularly small head was higher by some inches than any other bright eyes and white teeth showing through a red moustache and a note of defiance in his open-hearted voice made him attractive mildred was also introduced to rose turner the girl who sat next him a weak girl with pretty eyes rose already looked at mildred as if she anticipated rivalry and was clearly jealous of every word that morton did not address to her mildred looked at him again he was better dressed than the others and an air of success in his face made him seem younger than he was he leaned across the table and mildred liked his brusque but withal well-bred manner she wondered what his pictures were like at Davos, only the names of the principal exhibitors at the salon were known and he had told her that he had not sent there for the last three years he didn't care to send to the vulgar place more than he could help Mildred noticed that all listened to Morton, and she was sorry to leave the table, so interesting was his conversation. But Elsie and Cissy wanted to talk to her, and they marched about the grass plot, their arms about each other's waists, and while questioning Mildred about herself and telling her about themselves, they frequently looked whither their lovers sat smoking. Sometimes Mildred felt them press her along the walk which passed by the dining-table, but for half an hour their attractions were arrayed vainly against those of cigarettes and petit ver. Rose was the only woman who remained at table. She hung over her lover, desirous that he should listen to her. Mildred thought, what a fool! We shall see presently. The moment the young men got up, Sissy and Elsie forgot Mildred. An angry expression came upon her face, and she went into the house. The walls had been painted all over. Landscapes, still life, nude figures, rustic and elegiac subjects. Every artist had painted something in memory of his visit, and Mildred sought vaguely for what Mr. Mitchell had painted. Then remembering that he had chosen to walk about with the Turner girl, she abandoned her search and leaning on the window sill watched the light fading in the garden. She could hear the frogs in a distant pond and thought of the night in the forest amid millions of trees and stars. Suddenly she heard someone behind her say, Do you like being alone? It was Morton. I'm so used to being alone. USE IS A SECOND NATURE, I WILL NOT INTERRUPT YOUR SOLITUDE, BUT SOMETIMES ONE GETS TIRED OF SOLITUDE. WOULD YOU LIKE TO SHARE YOUR SOLITUDE? YOU CAN HAVE HALF OF MINE. I'M SURE IT IS VERY KIND OF YOU, BUT IT WAS ON Mildred's TONGUE TO ASK HIM WHAT HE HAD DONE WITH ROSE TURNER. SHE SAID INSTEAD, AND WHERE DOES YOUR SOLITUDE HANG OUT? CHIEFLY IN THE FOREST. SHALL WE GO THERE? IS IT FAR? I don't know where the others have gone they're in the forest we walk there every evening we shall meet them how far is the forest at our door we're in the forest come and see there is the forest he said pointing to a long avenue how bright the moonlight is one can read by this light and how wonderfully the shadows of the tall trunks fall across the white road how unreal how phantasmal is that grey avenue shimmering in the moonlight yes isn't the forest ghost-like and isn't that picturesque he said pointing to a booth that had been set up by the wayside on a tiny stage a foot or so from the ground by the light of a lantern and a few candle-ends a man and a woman were acting some rude improvisation morton and mildred stayed BUT NEITHER WAS IN THE MOOD TO LISTEN. THEY CONTRIBUTED A TRIFLE EACH TO THESE POOR MUMMERS OF THE LANE'S END, AND IT SEEMED THAT THEIR CHARITY HAD ADVANCED THEM IN THEIR INTIMACY. WITHOUT HESITATION THEY LEFT THE ROAD, TAKING A SANDY PATH WHICH LED THROUGH SOME ROCKS. Mildred's FEET SANK IN THE LOOSE SAND, AND VERY SOON IT SEEMED TO HER THAT THEY HAD LEFT BARBIZON FAR BEHIND for the great grey rocks and the dismantled tree-trunk which they had suddenly come upon frightened her, and she could hardly bear with the ghostly appearance the forest took in the stream of glittering light which flowed down from the moon. She wished to turn back, but Morton said that they would meet the others beyond the hill, and she followed him through great rocks filled with strange shadows. The pines stood round the hilltop, making it seem like a shrine a round yellow moon looked through there was the awe of death in the lurid silence and so clear was the sky that the points of the needles could be seen upon it we must go back she said if you like but at that moment voices were heard coming over the brow of the hill you see i did not deceive you there are your friends i knew we should meet them This is Miss Lawrence's voice, one can always recognize it. Then let us go to them, if you like. But we can talk better here. Let me find you a place to sit down. Before Mildred could answer, Elsie cried across the glade. So there you are. What do you think of the forest? shouted Cissy. Wonderful, replied Mildred. Well, we won't disturb you. We shall be back presently and, like ghosts, they passed into the shadow and mystery of the trees. So you work in the men's studio? Does that shock you? No, nothing shocks me. In the studio a woman puts off her sex. There's no sex in art. I quite agree with you. There's no sex in art, and a woman would be very foolish to let anything stand between her and her art. I'm glad you think that. I'VE MADE GREAT SACRIFICES FOR PAINTING. WHAT SACRIFICES? I'LL TELL YOU ONE OF THESE DAYS, WHEN I KNOW YOU BETTER. WILL YOU? THE CONVERSATION PAUSED A MOMENT, AND Mildred SAID, HOW WONDERFUL IT IS HERE, THOSE PINES, THAT SKY, ONE HEARS THE SILENCE. IT ENTERS INTO ONE'S VERY BONES. IT IS A PITY ONE CANNOT PAINT SILENCE. MILLET PAINTED SILENCE. THE ANGELUS is full of silence. The air trembles with silence and sunset. But the silence of the moonlight is more awful. It really is very awful, I'm afraid. Afraid of what? There's nothing to be afraid of. You asked me just now if I believed in devos I didn't like to say. I had only just been introduced to you. But it seems to me that I know you better now. Devo's is a curse. It is the sterilization of art. You must give up DeVos and come and work here. I'm afraid it would make no difference. Elsie and Sissy have spent years here, and what they do does not amount to much. They wander from method to method, abandoning each in turn. I'm utterly discouraged and made up my mind to give up painting. What are you going to do? I don't know one of these days i shall find out my true vocation you're young you're beautiful no i'm not beautiful but there are times when i look nice yes indeed there are those hands how white they are in the moonlight he took her hands why do you trouble and rack your soul about painting a woman's hands are too beautiful for a palette and brushes the words were on her tongue to ask him if he did not admire rose's hands equally but remembering the place the hour and the fact of her having made his acquaintance only a few hours before she thought it more becoming to withdraw her hands and say the others do not seem to be coming back we had better return they moved out of the shadows of the pines and stood looking down the sandy pathway How filmy and gray, those top branches. Did you ever see anything so delicate? I never saw anything like this before. This is primeval. I used to walk a good deal with a friend of mine in St. James's Park. The park where the ducks are and a little bridge. Your friend was not an artist. Yes, he was, and a very clever artist, too. Then he admired the park because you were with him perhaps that had something to do with it but the park is very beautiful i don't think i care much about cultivated nature don't you like a garden yes a disordered garden a garden that has been let run wild they walked down the sandy pathway and came unexpectedly upon elsie and her lover sitting behind a rock they asked where the others were elsie did not know But at that moment voices were heard, and Cissy cried from the bottom of the glade. "'So there you are. We've been looking for you.' "'Looking for us, indeed,' said Mildred. "'Now, Mildred, don't be prudish. This is Liberty Hall. You must lend us Mr. Mitchell. We want to dance.' "'What, here in the sand?' "'No, in the salon. Come along. Rose will play for us.' End of Mildred Lawson Chapter 14 Recording by James Carson